Welcome to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. I'm Isabel, your host and founder and firebrand of The Uprising Spark, a digital platform that offers life coaching products and services for modern, independent, child-free women. Our aim is to build a strong female community and to connect empowered women around the globe. Welcome, Jenea. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm so happy to have you on my show. I was recently in the self-sabotaging sagas with you. And yes. to my audience, if you have not heard that episode, it was really interesting because we talked about expectations. And that day, internet decided not to work properly. When <laughs> <laughs> you expect everything to go well, and we had, you know, the major technical issue but we winged it and I actually posted that on my Facebook page so I definitely recommend you go and check it out that was a very interesting conversation we had thank you for having me again yeah it was super fun even with the technological difficulties it was super fun I know I like there was like this massive thunderstorm going on and I was like (laughs) no this is one hour before we started and the problem is it's not pre-recorded this is live so it's not really a problem but that's like you know what made it a little bit more challenging because if it had been pre-recorded then it was a whole different thing oh my god wow okay well now I'm I have you in my show the honest opera yes and I'm super happy to have you here Um, I think you are one of the most interesting people that I have met on the FEMS group because that's where we met, right? We started talking on the FEMS group. Absolutely. And then you reached out and then we had this really fun conversation. And one of the things that you're very interested in is psychology and you've been actually uh, studying and you're a coach. So I just want to, I just want to go through, you know, and, and of course there's hypnotherapy in your work and Mm -hmm. transformational work and, oh my God, I love this subject. For me, that's just like so cool. So I really want to know what led you to, you know, to where you are right now. Well, honestly, I had a lot of trauma growing up and I felt like I was always trying to somehow feel better. And I just chased all of the things. And over time, some of the things started to work. And little by little, like I healed my trauma. So there's no emotional charge anymore. So healed trauma doesn't, of course, make it go away and disappear off the planet. (laughs) But it takes the emotional charge out of it so that it doesn't become difficult to talk about. And so through lots of modalities, I healed my trauma. I raised my self-worth. I learned how to deal with emotions. Most people don't know how to deal with emotions properly. And I learned all of this stuff and I did all of the things. And so I started studying the things that worked really well and that I could direct so I could bring people through a much shorter version of healing than I had to go through. So they don't have to chase it their whole life. I can bring such a wide breadth of experience and knowledge and things that I've studied to guide people much quicker through that process of feeling worthy and feeling free of their past. And you do that by working directly with the subconscious mind, right? That's what makes it quicker. Exactly. That's my jam. We normally people and a lot of coaches do this. They'll work, you know, with your conscious mind. And it's like 
repetitive, repetitive, notice your thoughts, notice your emotions. And I do that stuff too. But when we rewire or reprogram the subconscious and we heal the emotional wounds that cause the beliefs that cause the triggers, it means creating the new habit is easy because when you get stressed out is usually when those triggers and those past things come up to haunt you. And when we are, when we've cleared that stuff, it's just like trying something new and building a new habit. You don't have to fight against the past as well that keeps trying to pull you backwards. That is, I mean, it's deep. <laughs> I, okay. I know, I, I personally can tell that I've been doing psychotherapy for 10 years now because it's slow and you know you talk things through and you know this traditional kind of therapy and i can say that i have also tried some holistic approaches to healing my trauma and all the shit that every single human carries with them exactly in by different means that work with for example theta waves of the brain or hypnotherapy as mm -hmm. well so i i can tell and i can vouch even though i haven't uh yeah i haven't been your your client specifically but i, I can vouch that those types of tools make things go a little bit quicker yeah so i want to know what did you do before you started doing this I was a bartender. So I've been working with the subconscious mind for most of my life. I started bartending when I was 21. I bartended for more than 20 years. And it's funny that I was just so alcohol, basically it numbs your conscious mind down. So your subconscious mind, the drunker you get, the more your subconscious mind is running the show. And I got to really experience and sort of understand how most people's subconscious mind and conscious mind are not in alignment. They're not working together. They're saying one thing while they're conscious or sober and doing something or saying different things when they're really drunk. So I really got to explore the, um, the wideness of how out of alignment those two can be. And when I really started getting into the work for myself and realizing that my subconscious mind and my conscious mind were becoming more in alignment and doing, you know, I work a lot with NLP and a lot with hypnotherapy. So that's where I transformed the subconscious mind. It's like we can get them to work together so that you can actually move forward and create your goals. Um, but bartending was where I started and it was really great for a long time. I got to help a lot of people. I had so many customers come back to me saying that conversation we had encouraged me to do this and I completely changed my life. Those moments were the moments that I knew I was fulfilling my purpose and as I healed more, my capacity to be able to help other people got bigger and I wanted to do more. So I started digging into how I could actually do that. I'm very curious to learn maybe one or, or two stories uh, of the time when you were bartending about, you know, people, how you saw that change, you know, that shift that happens when people consume alcohol. I'm just curious if you have maybe a story that kind of sticks out that you remember very vividly it would be fun to know yeah sure one that sticks out and i think a lot of people that have spent any time in bars can relate to this particular person 
Um, and I say this person because it's not just one person that was sitting at the bar. It's I've seen this particular thing over and over. It's the person that sits at the bar and they're very, very quiet. They don't say anything to anybody. And then they're six drinks in. And a lot of times when you really get to see that difference is when people get really drunk because then there's no consciousness really operating at all. So you really get to see what's under the hood, if you will. And so they're very, very quiet and then they get six drinks in and they won't leave anybody alone. They're just talking, they're just talking, they're just talking. And often these people grew up not feeling heard. And so when their conscious mind because for whatever reason it was maybe it was unsafe for them to speak up maybe they got beat when they spoke up who knows um but when they're still conscious they'll be very quiet and very timid about speaking and then once all the consciousness is gone that part of them that really needs to be heard really needs to be seen is just the chatterbox that won't shut up drives all your customers away it's actually a terrible customer to have (laughs) (laughs) i can't imagine (laughs) but i've seen it so many times over and over and over again and i think so many of us struggle with that need to be seen or heard that we didn't feel heard or seen when we were little so that wound depending on how deep it is will sometimes come out if you're really drunk. Yeah, I've seen it as well, but not because I was a bartender. I did bartend a couple of years, but that's not um, where it was. I've seen it on just in general with friends or people or, you know how some people get like, they get really emotional and they start crying. And so some people just get really like, I don't know, really euphoric sometimes as well with alcohol. I don't know. It's just, and I've seen it in myself too. Um, You just like, you just completely remove the filter. (laughs) Exactly. When I was in college and a little bit after I had, uh, there was a period of time where I was, I was drinking heavily, Um, not part of that, but you know, it happens. And I was there too. <laughs> <laughs> it happens to all of us. Well, not all of us, but to many of us. And mm-hmm. and I do remember that I had these, um, we call them in Spanish, the literal translation would be a moral hungover. So you wake up mm-hmm. and like, you, you would be like, oh my God, what did I say last night? And then you realize right. that you had completely like told somebody to their some something to their face that you really didn't mean to or I mean mean to not because it wasn't true but because it was rude or it was inappropriate or you name it but it was always that's the thing it was always probably some part of you thought that and felt that and just it when we get drunk the thing called the default mode network which kind of is that barrier it kind of keeps us in check a little bit in some ways, in some ways it hinders us, but it keeps us from saying those things because of, you know, we don't want to be rude or if we say something like that, someone might slap us or whatever it might be. Yeah. And I do remember some of the things that I have told people that are completely inappropriate. Um, And they were true. I actually was feeling them. I was was thinking about Mm-hmm. that specifically and but the thing is you're not there's some things where you're not supposed to tell people because it's in I don't know societal rules it's just you're, you're not right. you, you can't be rude 
even if you're thinking it, you're not supposed to say everything you think. Um, uh-huh. And I think that that actually limits people. And I'm not saying this like to just go out in the world and tell everyone what you think, give everyone your peace of mind. That's not what I mean. What right. I mean is because we censure ourselves so much, we don't, we're not only doing it with another people, the other people, we're also doing it with ourselves, right? Sometimes we're like thinking something and then we're like, we don't, I don't want to have that thought. That's a horrible thought. And, you know, and then maybe it's something you need to address. Would you agree? Yeah, no, absolutely. For me, one of my things, I had a big fear of speaking up because of some trauma that happened to me after I spoke up and stood up for myself. I actually had two really big traumas that where that happened. And so it kind of shut me down. It shut my voice down in a way that things that I really wanted to say to people, I couldn't say. So if I got drunk, I sometimes said things that I really wanted to say. And it actually was better because I was able to say what I needed to say that needed to be said instead of that default mode network shutting me down thinking some major trauma is going to happen if I actually speak what needs to be said. So yeah, we absolutely do censor ourselves, whether it's because of past experiences, whether it's because of societal standards which in a way is just like past experiences we've been told over and over not to do that so it gets wired into our subconscious and we sometimes to our detriment listen to it i completely agree with that so this is something that you've been doing for how long uh you know the work with the subconscious might not um you know full-time that's what i mean I have been doing this work and working with people to transform their thinking and such for what year are we in now? I guess <laughs> 2021. Three, <laughs> three and a half, maybe four years now, something like that. Yeah, that's awesome. It's funny because when people ask me what year are we on, I'm like, 2020 doesn't really count. So are we really in 2021? <laughs> like, I feel like I lost the full 12 months of my life. <laughs> Should we count that year? <laughs> yeah, oh, that's um, funny. absolutely. Um, yeah, so three. Wow. Okay, that's that's awesome. And what is it that you like the most about what you do now? What I love is when somebody says that when they come to me and they say, Jenea, oh my goodness, I did this, this, and this. And it will usually seem like something that's not that big of a deal, but it's a really big deal for them. I remember one of my clients, she, it was during the height of the pandemic and, you know, the beginning when everything was a little bit more scary and she went to the grocery store and she said, Jenea, guess what? I didn't have any anxiety going to the grocery store. And we had not worked on anxiety. And I was like, well, okay, what's, tell me more about this. She's like, you don't understand. I have anxiety when I go to the grocery store when it's not a pandemic. And here we are in this situation and I went and did all of my shopping and I didn't feel anxious once. 
And that was incredibly powerful because one, we specifically had not been working on that. But there's something about when you heal certain parts of these past experiences in our lives, how it'll filter out into all this everyday stuff and make things a lot easier. And it's so cool because even going back to, you know, we go back to the past to heal the stuff, but you don't have to talk about it like you do in therapy. I can even help you heal stuff and you can never tell me what's going on with you, which is really cool. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I can relate to that as well. You know, just um, there is something about seeing what you work with, you know, you're working with the other person and and you're kind of like building with them or maybe unbuilding if you need to break some patterns right. or, or beliefs or whatever it is. And seeing um, or hearing from them that that they have made a, a taken a big step, uh, yeah. it's always very rewarding. Absolutely. Yeah, I love it when it's a surprise thing, though. That's always the best when it's just something out of the blue that we didn't even work on. They're just like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because I think when you start working in on yourself, like you start working on your inner self in general. You start, even if you're not meaning to heal something specific, I think that also get healed, gets healed. <laughs> yes. That's so. part of the whole package. It's kind of like this thing, right? It's like, it's like you're not really shooting for it, but it still gets shot down in a way. Exactly. It all tenders out. It's all connected. It's like our brain is such a web of things that reinforce other things and as you start to take the web apart strand by strand it just affects the whole thing you're listening to the honest uproar a podcast where modern child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community Okay, now I really want to dig in with you on the subject of being child-free. Yes. Uh, so I want you to tell my audience uh, your story. I already know it, but I want you to tell my audience your story. <laughs> and also, well, I want to like hear it all over again. All right. Well, it all started way back in my 20s. <laughs> I hadn't had a relationship for a while. And, you know, we grow up just sort of thinking that you're supposed to have kids, right? You know this. And I never was super excited about having kids. I just figured it would be something I would do someday. So I was I didn't speak in the language like when I have kids. I just spoke in the language of living my life. I didn't really even think about it. And as I was approaching 30, I decided, I was like, well, I, I have to, you know, this biological clock thing in my body, I need to really sit down and think about if I want to have kids. And so I thought about it for like six months, maybe a year, and I really couldn't come up with this strong desire to have kids. So I just decided, well... I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to go about my life. And if I decide I want ha to have kids at some point and I'm too old, I can always adopt. 
I figured, you know, I would adopt kids that were older because those would be the ones that needed it the most. The babies always get adopted. And then I just went about my life. Didn't really think about it. And it wasn't until I think I hit maybe my late 30s on the dating scene when it started to seem weird. Like I liked when a guy already had kids because then I wouldn't have to think about or have that conversation about whether I could have kids or whether I was too old to have kids or whatnot. And yeah, I just didn't think about it, but I did really feel very excited when somebody already had kids because the question would be off the table. And then I actually had this point where I started dating a man when I was 42 or something like that and I fell head over heels in love and I decided oh my goodness I want to have this man's baby and it was the weirdest sensation to want to have a baby to like really want to have a baby so we decided we were going to try and have a baby I took my IUD out and then I had like one more period and then I didn't have a period ever. Well, I had one more period a year later. So I ended up going through menopause without even knowing it. I mean, I get, you know, obviously I was not having my period, so I knew that part, but I had also had taken some steroids for something and my periods got irregular right when that I started taking the steroids, so I just assumed it was the steroids, and I had some adrenal issues because of the steroids, so fixed all that, my periods started coming back, and then they stopped after I decided I wanted to have a baby with this man. Well, you know I work with the subconscious mind, and our subconscious mind, even though sometimes it's really dumb, and it acts like predictive text that's terrible, but sometimes it's right on and it knows exactly what's best for you. And for me, it was not best for me to have a baby with that person. That person and I, we broke up eventually. And as much as I still care about and want him to have like a great life, he was definitely not somebody I want to be tied to with a child for 18 years or longer. And I think that my subconscious knew that because things started really right after we decided to have a baby, things started to get a little bit off. And I think my subconscious just shut my body down because the power of your subconscious mind is so intense. It can cause or not cause all kinds of things. People tend to get, if people are accident prone, it's their subconscious mind that's making these things happen over and over and over again. And when you shift it, you can get out of something like that. But I think my subconscious mind just knew that this was not the right person for me to have a baby with. And now I'm very okay not having a baby after that relationship like after I found out I couldn't have babies anymore it was I cried for a day and then it was like relief so I think I would just had a love haze I don't even know that I really wanted a baby but my body definitely did not want me to have a baby with him I think it's a very interesting story for many reasons 
But the one that really, when you told me this, uh, when we spoke a few weeks ago, the first time I heard of this story was, um, you know, how young you were when you got menopause, right? Mm-hmm. And and you you said it. I mean, you told me at the time. You know, it's my subconscious was trying to protect me from having a child with this person, maybe, and that's why my body just kind of like reacted that way and completely stripped off the table the the possibility, the possibility for me to yeah. yeah to become pregnant. Yeah, right. Well, and also on top of that, so we could let's let's even take him out of the picture. I had spent my entire life being over the top about birth control, over the top. My mom, when she had me, she had sex twice on her period, and hello, here I am. My aunt planned both of her pregnancies to the month. My grandma got pregnant with my mom right after she was married, and... My aunt went through menopause and still got pregnant um, and miscarried or something. But so my family, I've had in this mind, my mindset is that my family is extremely fertile. So I have to do everything I can to make sure that I do not get pregnant. So I was on the pill for 18 years straight. If I forgot a pill, I would make my boyfriends wear condoms for two weeks. They hated it. Funny how they always say <laughs> men could never remember to take a pill every single day. God, well, no. <laughs> let me tell you, when it's do that or your girlfriend makes you wear a condom when you've not been wearing condoms for the last year, they sure as hell will remember <laughs> <laughs> because they reminded me every day, Chinea, did you take your pill? <laughs> yes, I took my pill. <laughs> oh, wow. So, the mindset just beyond even the boyfriend and him not being the right fit for me beyond that i had cultivated a mindset of not getting pregnant for my entire life when i went off the pill i got an iud right away i made sure to not have sex during that time period i never took any risks when it came to birth control you know how when you think mm. that you're going to have a child, I don't know if maybe this is your experience, but when people think they're going to have a child, it's sometimes like, oh, the kid will come when the, when the kid comes, basically. Right. So they'll get pregnant whenever, because that's what God intended, right? Yeah. Sometimes it is planned. But I have not met uh, any child-free woman who isn't like completely anal about birth control. <laughs> not... <laughs> at all it's just like oh my god the pill and the condom and the iud and the thing and uh voluntary sterilization surgery and this and that and it's just like no way i don't want a child and it's it's interesting you know talking about the subconscious and then you telling me i was like super strict with my birth control to me that's just like there wasn't a desire of becoming right pregnant, right if you had had desire then maybe you you wouldn't have been that strict. Right. Well, I mean, if you think about it, you think about what we focus on ultimately is what we get, right? So if you are a person that you're in love with your boyfriend or something and you are imagining having kids with them and you're thinking about that, you're moving towards that idea of a family, of 
you know, kids and pregnancy and all of that stuff. So you're thinking and you focus on that when you have your, we all have them, our little fantasies about how our life is going to turn out. And then versus somebody like you or I, who what we focused on is away from pregnancy. It's Mm. the opposite way. And so we get what we focus on. I mean, at least in these two circumstances, we can definitely say that it's absolutely true. And if your mindset has been in one direction for, you know, for me, it was, well, I guess I wasn't thinking about having kids when I was a kid, but so, you know, 30, for 35 years focused on away from pregnancy is really the span of one month going to be enough to rewire my brain towards pregnancy? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you know, I did some hypnotherapy work or something. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, it, when people say, you know, I wasn't a child thinking about babies. And I wasn't either until one of my parents actually brought it up. And I don't even remember why this happened, but I do remember the conversation we had. I mean, we were in the car. It was my dad. My dad's a medical doctor. And he had, he grew up with a lot of people who became teen moms, basically. And so, which was at the time, because my dad was born in the mid fifties. So at the time, these women were, ostracized basically because they were unmarried right of course they're teenagers uh their children were not recognized by their biological father it was the whole thing right that happened in back in the 60s and the 70s it's different now um and i do remember this conversation i don't know what prompted it i do remember my dad telling me and my sister i will not allow any like none of you to come home and tell me that you're pregnant before you finish your university studies like before you have a graduate degree uh, an undergraduate degree I will not allow it I hope that doesn't happen and I was like 12 at the time and I was of course not thinking about babies at the time I was never the kind of girl that would play around with dolls or baby dolls or I was I wasn't that kind of of girl um but I remember dolls either See that's that's you know I was I was the girl who was running around with the boys I was climbing Me trees too. and I was like throwing stones at them and I was like getting on fights and I was just like a little tomboy running around all over the place. Um, Me too. <laughs> I loved cars. I did I did have a bunch of Barbies, uh, but they weren't very. I mean, I never played house with my Barbies, for example. I thought that was weird. Uh, <laughs> but my dad told me that when I was twelve, and I remember. I still remember it to this day that conversation and I do remember that that I that just instilled fear in me I was right. like "Ooh, my I might as well like I better not disappoint my dad um and I actually put off having sex for a very long time because of that see how the subconscious mind works it's funny yeah. all my <laughs> friends all my friends all most of my friends had sex for the first time when we were in high school I waited after high school to have sex so yeah me too <laughs> <laughs> see <laughs> then i thought i was well, the weird pregnant. one <laughs> <laughs> i thought i was the weird one and it's 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 interesting because i'm um there was a time in my 20s when i thought i was going to get married and have children i never actually kind of got back into not got back but kind of like remember that mindset or that thought or the thoughts or the feelings that i've had forever um 
you know, since I was a kid um, about pregnancy and how I didn't ever play house with my dolls and things like that, you know. Yeah, I thought I was going to get married in my 20s, and but the thought of children never crossed my mind at that point. I mean, I guess, again, it's like whenever I thought about it, it was always like, I guess it's probably something I'll do someday. I thought I, I thought it was an obligation for me. It's like, but people do, right? It's like, oh, yeah, I need to go to school, study. After I finish my undergrad, I need to get a good job, find a husband, well, find a guy, marry the guy, have babies. That's my life, right? That's what my life was going to be. Right. That's what the the kind of like the steps that you need to take in a way. That's what people expect from you, specifically in my society, um, in my community, I guess. And there's a lot of communities like that. Right. Um, but I was just not having any of it. <laughs> like, no, not for me. <laughs> yeah. I also found it really funny. And I, when I got into my 30s, it was probably my late 30s before this really started to register because, you know, people would ask, especially people from um, Latin American countries would ask, oh, do you have any children? And I, would, I was always like, no. I always thought it was the weirdest question. Why would you assume I have children? But later when I got into my 30s, it started to dawn on me that, oh, wait, I'm in my, I'm pushing my late 30s and most people have kids by now. I guess that is sort of a normal question to ask because I always felt like I was still, you know, 22, 23, 25. And generally you don't run around asking people in their very early 20s, oh, do you have kids? Yeah, like it should be a normal thing. Yeah. And so... I remember that moment when it was like, oh, this is actually a normal question now, but it still feels so dumb. Like, why would you ask if I have kids? Why would you think I have kids? Oh, because you're 38, almost 40. Yeah. <laughs> Most people do. <laughs> and people expect that you would. Now, and now I catch myself feeling a little bit relieved that I can just say, oh, I can't have kids. And they say, well, why don't you have kids? And I say, oh, well, I can't have kids. And then, because I look young for my age. I look probably mid-30s. Yeah. And I'm going to be 48, I don't know, next week, I think. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> but so... Yeah, it's just, it's sort of a relief to be able to say, oh, I can't have kids. And then that shuts people up real quick because they don't want to ask, well, why can't you have kids? Yeah. Because, you know, they don't want to pry. But like asking if you have kids would that, I mean, that could be prying too. Yeah, totally. Well, it, I mean, and I think people ask, do you have kids? But, you know, I people have, some people have asked me, how many kids do you have? Straight up. Mm. Not even if I have any, like how many do you have? But, um, you know, going back to the prying thing, um, I I mean, I've heard many women who um, are child free by more by circumstance, which is, is it your case? Would you say that you're child free more by circumstance than by choice? Um, I mean, I had that little period of time where I did want to have a kid. So I guess that became by circumstance. But up until that moment, it was definitely by choice. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't really imagine 
at any other point. It never, I never made a definitive, no, I don't want to have kids. Mm -hmm. But I never made a definitive, I want to have kids, except for that, you know, two month little period. Yeah. Yeah. The reason I ask um, is because, um, as I was saying, some child-free people who are child-free by circumstance who cannot have children, then if they tell people, I don't have children because I, I couldn't have any, or I can't have children, then they get asked, like, why didn't you adopt? Or mm -hmm. did you think about adoption? Is that a question that you get? I've gotten, well, you can still adopt, you know. I have gotten that a handful of mm -hmm. times. And usually it's from other women. And usually men just leave it alone. <laughs> and have you ever <laughs> thought about adopting? That's never been a... That's never been a I think about, I mean, uh, there's a part of me that really wants to help so many people and kids that grow up in foster care often have so much trauma that I would like to find a way to help some of them, but I don't know if the way for me to do that is to foster kids. And I don't know with all that I really want to do in my life and all the work that I want to do to help heal and transform people, if that's the best use of my time and my skills, I think that I can really do a lot more for the world. One of the big things that I've always said, and this is mindset through and through, I never wanted, if I was ever going to do it, I'd never want to do it alone. I could also end up with somebody that has kids. So I don't have that super aversion to them, but I definitely, I sort of feel grateful that I didn't end up with any of my own. Feeling grateful that you didn't have any children is, um, I think it's, I mean, it's important for people who have chosen not to have children. I mean, I think it's I think it's important for people to know that it's okay to yeah. feel grateful about absolutely. that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And that is one of my missions <laughs> because there's a lot of childhood people who feel guilty or who feel ashamed. Yeah. And uh, it's just like, no, I mean, it's your choice. It's such a personal choice. Just like becoming a parent is also a personal choice. And nobody can tell you that you're wrong. It's your life. You have to live it the best way you can. Well, and what you said about people asking about, oh, well, you can still adopt or saying things like that, it is people trying to put their values on you. People are trying to shame you using your values or using their values. And, and if they're not your values, it's really important to do your best to not let somebody put that shame on you because that's their value. It's not yours. Absolutely. And I think that is an amazing way to finish our interview. Um, I loved having you here. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. This is, it's always so much fun to talk to you. Yeah, I feel the same way. Before I do let you go, is there anything else that you would like to uh, tell my audience? Anything at all? Be gracious with yourself. I think we as a whole are so hard on ourselves and we're taking on other people's values, other people's expectations 
And the only values that really matter are your own and you have the control over living those values or not. And with everybody else's stuff and all the other noise that's coming in, just give yourself some grace. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. And as always, my firecrackers were listening to my podcast. I will leave all of Janae's uh links in the description of this episode so you can check out um her website so you can check out her facebook page you can check out my episode of uh, (laughs) that episode that we uh that i described at the beginning of this interview there's a lot more uh episodes uh of the same series right in your on your facebook page so that they're very interesting so i highly recommend it and sabotaging um, sagas the self-sabotaging sagas. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, uh, thanks again for being here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid community. We hope you tune in next week for our newest episode. And since we love hanging out with you, please be sure to follow us on social media at The Honest Uproar and visit our website at thehonestuproar.com. If you like what you heard, feel free to share with your fierce, child-free firecracker friends. Until next time, continue fueling your inner fire.